So I wanted to get you hip to the leading 20-in-1 SEO tool. It's called SEMrush. And if you haven't had a chance to take a look at it, make sure that you check the show notes because you can have a free trial if you click on the link in the show notes because why not try it out and build up your SEO. Get that competitive research, get your keywords down, get your ranking and link building efforts in place and get your website seen. Get your stuff out there. This is really what it's about. It is trusted by so many leaders in business and they have seen a lot of amazing insights from it. So I am excited to give you a special link in the show notes of SEMrush with your free trial. Make sure that you start on that today because if you're not getting seen and you're not showing up in search, then why are we doing this, (laughs) right? Why are we doing this? Because you wanna get your stuff out there and you wanna be connecting with the right audience. So get the leading 20-in-1 SEO tool, SEMrush, today. You're listening to Sweet Bites with Sandra with your host, Dr. Sandra Coltimadisi. Follow on Instagram and Facebook at Dr. Sandra Coltimadisi, the podcast and lifestyle Instagram at Sweet Bites with Sandra. And for upcoming course announcements, follow College of Style on Instagram as well. Are you going to the Template Design Summit? Uh, yeah, you definitely are. Register today at collegeofstyle.com. It's free and it's happening July 1st to the 3rd. It's a virtual summit that is jam-packed with information for course creators, consultants, authors, entrepreneurs, small business owners just like you. We are going to give you an in-depth look at how to create design templates how to implement them into your marketing and branding for your business, create scroll-stopping content for social media, and protect your intellectual property, protecting your designs legally. Over the three-day event, we are going to be hearing from graphic designers, template designers, business experts, and they are going to provide the best practices used by industry professionals and innovative ways to use graphics and templates for branding and educational use. So we are going to dive really deep on getting you the information you need to have specific emphasis on social media and business branding and an additional focus on how to monetize your creations. Join us, register today at collegeofstyle.com and get your free gift from me. It's 110 social media templates designed in Canva. Yes, mm -hmm, just for you. Snag those today when you register and make sure to tell a friend and I'll see you at the Template Design Summit July 1st to the 3rd. Hi, I'm Sandra and I'd like to invite you to subscribe and listen to my new podcast, Sweet Pipes with Sandra. Satisfy your entrepreneurial sweet tooth in each episode full of digital business tips, inspiring interviews, aside from my entertainment career, and rewards to celebrate your sweet success. Find Sweet Bites with Sandra on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Thank you so much for joining me on episode 41 of the Sweet Bites with Sandra podcast. This is really exciting because we are inching our way closer to episode 50. And I kind of always told myself that as we inch our way closer to episode 50, that I might just close out season one and start up season two. So I'm excited for that and that you're on this journey with me. In this episode, I have a very special guest. I am delighted to 
to be joined today by my very special guest. Her name is April Franzino. She is the beauty director for Good Housekeeping, Women's Day, and Prevention Magazines. So you are going to get so much information from this interview. I cannot wait for you to hear it. So stay tuned for that. It's coming up in just a bit but let's get right to it. I always love talking about strategy. And when I think about personal branding, I always think about whether or not people have put in the work to get the results. And that means looking at the long game. So if you are a business that is a small business, an entrepreneur, a startup, this is something to really recognize as playing the long game for your business is always a good strategy. And that means that if you set out a business plan, you're writing, you know, a business plan that talks about what you're going to do in the first year, the first five years, the first 15 years. And obviously, as you progress, you make changes, you make those tweaks that, you know, obviously, if you made more money in the first year, you're going to tweak that financial plan to you know, maybe invest more in your business or bring in some other outside vendors that you hadn't anticipated until year three. So you adjust as you go. And it's the same when you think about your personal brand, when you think about what are the things you can do in the long run to gauge how your personal brand will have um, some efficiency, have effectiveness and transition yourself to have a really breakthrough transformation for the results that you're really wanting for your business. So if you're looking at the long game and saying, okay, I want to be a person, I want to be a, a, a professional speaker, right? And I want to be touring the country or touring the globe, talking with my signature talk on different speaking engagements, different conferences, different summits, all of these different things. Well, then you've got to think about your strategy and how you're going to get there. Are you going to be on the TEDx stage if you've never, um, you know, actually spoken on a live stage before? It's, you never know it could happen people someone might see you on on some sort of Facebook live but that's probably not the best strategy is to hope for it to happen hope for someone to see you the best thing to do is to make that plan and that long-term goal so that you are taking the steps forward on your own and then pitching yourself every single day to conferences and summits and meetings and meeting planners and all those things that you need to do to get yourself seen and get the footage that you need and the practice that you need so that you are so in your zone when you're out there on the public stage and being that public speaker that you want to be. That's not just saying things, but that is moving people, right? And it has that really lasting effect that people go back and they're like, hey, did you hear this? this did you hear that talk? That really made a difference. You made an impact, right? So you want to have that long-term strategy so that if your goal is TEDx, if your goal is, you know, um, speaking at some sort of nonprofit organization if maybe you maybe your your biggest thing is to go back to your alma mater at your college and speak at the graduation ceremony so making all of those connections in addition to refining your skills and then getting the footage and the speakers page that you need on your website to promote yourself in a way that people know what you do and can find you on the internet and can know exactly who you are what you're about and what kind of message you're going to project 
That is very important. The other thing is to position yourself as the authority, as the expert. So if you have that long-term goal, no matter what industry it is, and you're trying to position yourself as the authority, as the expert in that field, you need to position yourself in a strategic way. And that means mapping your plan out, having the long game, and adjusting it just like you would a business plan, um, and and tweaking it. If you've got a few successes, okay, then you're you're a little closer, right? And you can use those, leverage those, and and make those better connections to you know bigger and better opportunities instead of waiting, right? A lot of people will be like, well, I got to stick to the plan and that's great, but you need to make sure that you're adjusting it along the way. Because if you have those small wins, celebrate those small wins. I always, I always go back to this um, point in my life where I, I actually had a, a music video release party back in the day. And I, people were like, why are you releasing a music video in a club? And I was like, why not? Every single win you need to be celebrating. And even though it was something that actually premiered on Yahoo, Yahoo music. I was like, we are promoting this in a club. This is an event, right? And we're going to show it. (laughs) So I think that that is the thing that is really important. So make a plan, tweak it as you go and have those small wins and definitely, definitely celebrate because I know how hard it is to just have that very small win and have nobody understand how much it means. You celebrate every single one and tweak as you go because that's how you're going to make it to that final, final destination. And then what you do as you go, as you go along the way is you're going to make bigger and better goals too. And it's just going to blossom from there. So take that to heart and make sure you do that planning phase before you just jump right in because strategy is definitely an important place to start when you're plotting out your amazing journey. Have you been to my shop lately? I have been in the lab and creating new items just for you. Take a look at the decor, the brand new eye collection, and spanking new done for you templates for social media. Yes, I told you, I am giving you my A game in 2021. Check it out and buy yourself a little something to reward yourself for making a commitment to yourself to rock 2021 like no other. Just visit www.sandracoltmedici.com forward slash shop today. Welcome back to Sweet Bites with Sandra, the podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Sandra Coltmedici, and I am joined today by beauty director for Good Housekeeping, Women's Day, and Prevention Magazines, Miss April Franzino. Thank you for joining me. Thanks so much for having me. Yes, I am so excited to talk to you because I feel like you are on the cusp of everything fun and trendy and... <laughs> Oh, thank you. Yes, and also just knowledgeable about some of the things that people need to do to get into this industry now that is publishing and also journalism and in the realm of beauty. And so that is forever changing, I feel like, because publishing went from print to digital and somehow hybrid of both. And then beauty is always forever kind of cyclical, but a little bit changing. So what do you think is the hardest part of your job? Oh gosh. Um, I, I should start by saying that I love my job and I, I don't know if I'd call any part of it difficult per se. Of course, every job has its own, you know, stresses and busy times and that type of thing. But I would say beauty 
is such an exciting industry and it's changing all the time. So keeping up on top of all the trends, all the new launches, the technologies, that is one of the most challenging things because there's just so much out there. Every day I'm getting emails and packages with new brands, new products, um, hundreds and hundreds of things, hundreds of brands. Um, it's just booming all the time. So keeping a handle on all of that is definitely a task, I would say. Well, so you are probably a master of um, your calendar, I would say, because if you're thinking <laughs> yeah. about launches and, you know, in publishing, you're thinking months and months ahead, right? Yeah. How do you do that, like forward thinking, but keeping in the moment and staying present? Yeah. So that's a balance that you kind of adjust to over time, I would say. So like you said, I work both on digital and print. So digital, we're writing stories that could be published today, tomorrow, in the next couple of days. And then print, we're planning stories that could be published in the summer. We, you have to sort of think with two hats at all times. You know, what do I need to know for right now? What's happening that we might want to cover online? And then what is going to be happening in a couple months? Like what season are we going to be in? What trends are sort of developing? You know, I get to meet with brands and they introduce their launches ahead of time to me and my team. So we can kind of start to formulate ideas of what'll be happening in the future that way. And so sometimes you find out about things that you find exciting, but you can't cover them online right now because they won't be out for a few months. So you, you sort of have the two hats and you learn which things to put in the one and then which to put in the other and how to, you know, bring them to life when the time comes. Well, so is there anything that you were just like presented? Cause this is me. I'm <laughs> like that you were like, got the preview of, and you just could not keep the secret. Well, a lot of times you actually have to sign an NDA or agree to one. So you really have to keep the secret as much as you can, but usually I can share, you know, things among my team and that type of thing. But I feel like in the industry, it's very competitive and brands, um, don't want their technologies or their ideas to be um, co-opted by others before their launch, especially. So it is pretty, um, it stays pretty tight-lipped, I would say. Nice. Well, so when you are thinking about your role as a director, what are some of the things that you help your team with that, you know, they're not glamorous, they're not something you write on your resume, but what's something that you're like, I do this with my team because it helps us be cohesive or productive or, or whatnot? Yeah, that's a great question, especially now um, as we're working from home a lot of the time. Um, and then things have adjusted from what they used to be when we were in the office. So I think it's more challenging than ever to maintain a connection um, amongst your team members. And so I try to make sure that we're touching base regular, regularly via video chats um, or just messaging and that type of thing. And um, that we all know what each other is working on. So when we submit stories, everyone's included. Um, so even if it's not your story, you know what somebody else is doing. So everybody has an idea of the bigger picture that I have as somebody who's overseeing all of it. So I think that that helps to keep everybody connected um, and on the same page. And, you know, we just try to do things like celebrate birthdays and like special occasions and have little like team, you know, virtual get togethers when we can. Um, and yeah, and I just try to help, you know, as much as I can with managing the schedules, uh, the challenges that everybody has with making sure nobody's overloaded with too many meetings and 
learning how to be efficient when answering your emails and categorizing them and things like that. So those are ways that I try to provide guidance. Well, so I know that it's difficult because you're in, in charge of three different publications. So, <laughs> so when you're thinking about, and, and there are business owners who might listen to this podcast who are talking um, to, you know, to their team about different products and their different categories. So, um, and, and most likely they're a little bit overlapping audience. So when you're thinking of how to speak to your audiences in separate ways, are you changing the, the, um, the method in which you're delivering it to them based on who they are? Or, you know, is it across the board, you have kind of the same deliverables, it's just, you know, tweaking the message or how do you do that? So it is different. It's sort it, it's another thing where you kind of put it on the hat for the different audience um, and they each have their own focus. Like for example, prevention is very focused on health, obviously. Um, so all of the beauty has that as its angle. Um, and then Women's Day is very focused on value and sort of the home aspect um, and DIY and that type of thing. And then good housekeeping is more general. And so we, we kind of have a spectrum of readership there, um, but it's very focused on the science behind beauty. And we have the Good Housekeeping Institute labs that do testing for us. So whenever I haven't, anybody has an idea, we say, okay, which, you know, one of the, which one of the books does it work best for? Or is there something that we can take from this idea and use it for different you know, in different ways for the different publications. Um, and that's sort of the way that we approach it. And so you're always changing the way you, you know, the language that you use and the tone for the audience um, and then the content itself for sure. Um, so it definitely keeps you on your toes and it's not bo never boring for sure, but it's not dissimilar to what, um, you know, people that work with multiple clients, it's sort of the same idea um, that you are putting on a different hat for each of them and, and tailoring what you're doing to a specific audience. So that's what we do. Awesome. Well, so I know that you have, you know, a lot of years in this business so, and you're, you're young too. So that's, oh, that's well, like, you. Well, you. <laughs> I think about it and I'm like, oh my goodness, it has been that long. <laughs> yeah. Well, so what have you learned along the way for somebody who might just be entering this industry, um, whether they're a brand new journalist out of college or, you know, somebody who may be younger than that, thinking about, you know, getting into publishing, um, what can you say is maybe one or two lessons you've learned um, that you could share with them? I would say the one of the most important things that I've learned over the years is that every connection you make is important. And, you know, sometimes it's like, oh, should I really take this meeting or, you know, get this coffee or should I really go to this event back when we were doing events <laughs> and we will be again, I'm sure. Um, when your schedule is so busy, you know, should I really take this call? And I always feel like, or even just answering emails, it's like, that's like a whole responsibility in and of itself. But I really feel like every effort you make to engage with somebody, um, who reaches out to you is worthwhile and having, you know, fostering like a positive connection, even if it ends up just being a e quick email or whatever it is, it build over time, it really builds, you know, your reputation in the industry, it widens your network and you just never know how something might connect in the future or somebody might, you know, be able to help you or you might be able to help them. And, and it really is all, you know, this symbiotic sort of network, um, a community that is big, but also smaller in some ways too. So mm -hmm. that's one of the most important things I've learned is that 
no, you know, no email, no meeting that you take is unimportant in the grand scheme. I really feel like it does add up to building up to your success. Right. Well, great advice. Um, and you've worked obviously Condé Nast, Meredith, Hearst. I mean, these are basically all of them. <laughs> um, well, so what are, what are maybe two must haves as far as like keeping pace with technology and industry competitors, as far as inside the publishing uh, industry? Um, I would say, and obviously every job has, has specific, you know, parameters and requirements, but generally just keeping up with, you know, reading and consuming as much of the either your competitors or you know the same category the information that you can find um keeping on top of different social media programs whatever is the next technology that's all super important and usually a company will offer that kind of thing but always take advantage if it's offered to you because that's you know sometimes if you're not within a company you would have to pay for that kind of thing outside so i always would say just take advantage of whatever um, learning opportunities that you're presented with, and then just always trying to stay on top of reading things and being engrossed in the industry um, is super important because you just never know what might spark something. Right. Well, and sparking things like I was, I was just um, looking at different things on Twitter and I'm like, oh, I need to follow this person. Is there anybody that you follow on different social media that kind of, you know, give you that little spark, um, whether it's, you know, a news organization or even people that you are working with right now, um, you know, that you read their articles every day or something like that? Yeah, that's a good, that's a really great question. Um, Gosh, I feel like I am such a voracious reader in general. Whenever I'm eating, I'm always reading a magazine or, you know, if I'm in like in a car or something, I'll be reading articles on my phone. I, I don't know if there's any one specific source, but I just really try, I really like can't get enough of different kinds of magazines, lifestyle magazines, fashion, beauty magazines. Um, I actually, like, even though it's not related to beauty specifically, I love reading about food and even like the content that Good Housekeeping has about it and Women's Day and prevention. I, I feel like in a way it's related to beauty in like a tangential way. And I find it like very creatively um, fulfilling. So it's interesting how sometimes the inspiration can come from other places that are not directly from your um, top, you know, your beat, your topic. So exactly. Well, and, and thinking of other kind of pulling it in from other sources, you have hosted a podcast too. <laughs> yes, I, I do. Yeah. So tell us about the podcast that you have hosted and what, you know, what the topics you cover and, you know, how you decide what you're going to talk about. So the podcast that I'm co-host of is called Beauty is Your Business. And so it's a business-to-business -business podcast um, that profiles industry leaders. So um, everybody from CEOs and, and brand founders to um, R&D personnel, um, marketing executives, et cetera. So we really get delve into both the personal and business stories of these individuals. And it's been an interesting experience because it, a lot of what I part of what I get to do in my job is meet with different brands and usually some of these people um, to be introduced to their new launches, but I, you don't really get the story of the person's career. So seeing the trajectories and, you know, how they got to where they are is super interesting. Um, and it's definitely, it's, it's a form of journalism and doing what I do in print and digital in just a different way, as you know, um, it's, you're basically asking 
questions, to get great information from them, to share with others. And I find it really fulfilling and really interesting, um, as I'm sure you do too. <laughs> right. I love podcasting. <laughs> also, what is something that, you know, I'm sure there's plenty of people who are, who are going to listen to this and go, oh my goodness, you know, I didn't know she was a media director. I need to pitch my stuff. Like what is something that you, that totally turns you off when somebody is trying to pitch their product for some sort of article or, you know, cause everybody wants to know the ins and outs of how to yeah. get that article written. Um, you know, whether it's, you know, the form uh, or the format or the, the, the way that they're reaching out to you? Is it, you know, do you hate it by email? Is it only by mail? Is it, you know, calling up and cold calling? Is that like a no, no, like what is, as far as industry now, what, what would you like to have somebody uh, pitch you in, in, in what format? Yeah. So I would say generally email is totally welcome. Um, and normally like sending product samples is welcome too. It's a little tricky now because some people aren't in the office so now it's like a little bit better, you know, before things get back to normal again, um, would be to ask the person where to send it because you don't want it to end up at somebody's office where they're, they haven't been in a year. So um, that generally is totally welcome too. I would say the most important thing when email and emailing a pitch um, is to include all the information about the product or the brand or whatever it is. So that seems like very um like a no-brainer, but that's not always the case. So I would, if there's more than one product, listing all the names of the products, giving a little bit of information about them, including images, if you can. Images are really important because what we do is visual, obviously. So we wanna know what it looks like, if it fits visually with something that we're working on um, or topic-wise. And then I would say, once you send the email, you know, I if you get a response, great. If you haven't gotten a response, you, I would say following up once is fine, but I wouldn't follow up multiple times about the same pitch. Because a lot of times what happens is you'll file away the email, you meaning I'll file away the email. If I say, okay, I can't use it right now, but maybe I could save it for something in the future. And then I might contact them going forward. But um, I think sometimes you get the follow-ups like three times, four times, and then it's like, okay, I promise we'll get in touch if um, if we need anything. And so unless you have something to add, obviously if there's like some, you know, addition to the collection or whatever it is, um, that would be a reason to follow up. But I, I'd say in general, just the most important thing is including all the information so that I don't have to say, oh, actually, what are the products in that line? Which I do sometimes, sometimes have to reply, or, you know, can you send images of that? And sometimes the publicist doesn't have the assets yet, so they can't send them, but as much as information, the prices, anything that that you can think of to include is super important. So it's all in one place. You don't have to go digging around. Don't have to follow up. Keep going back and forth. So, so be on your game. <laughs> That's what she's saying. Yes. <laughs> because you have one shot, right? Um, well, so when you're thinking about some of the things that you're doing in the future, um, you know, what do you, where do you see beauty going in 2021? Like what, what are, uh, you might know because you've seen some of the things you're putting in the magazines, but when you think about just personal beauty, because we've all been at home, in our sweats, you know, we've all been in our cozy clothes. Oh. Uh, <laughs> so how do people decide that beauty and, and getting gussied up or, or even pulling back the veil and doing some, you know, organic things are what's going to happen? Like, what, where do you see 2021? Yeah, I think it's an interesting time because 
the technology of beauty is moving forward at a rapid pace and there's technologies that are launching that and going to be launching that we haven't seen before, like customized lipstick that you can make yourself customized in your house, um, products that, you know, deposit on your skin and like meld into it um, in like a special like mist form, like all these kinds of technologies. But at the same time, I think people are going back to basics more than ever, sort of to what you were saying. Um, I think because we've been home so much, people are getting used to wearing less makeup, um, kind of their natural look is becoming something that they're more comfortable with. And so I think it's going to be an interesting balance between a pared down routine, you know, that you kind of pick and choose your, you know, your little pops of color or your, I'm doing my hair today, but maybe I'm going to keep my face, you know, neutral or whatever it might be. Um, so I, I think that that and skincare is obviously a huge part of that too. I think people maybe spend more or spending more time on their skincare and less on their makeup. And I think that that will continue um, for sure. So it's going to be interesting to see how the technology, it's sort of like a little bit gone backwards to like the simpler times and then also is moving forward. So I think we'll end up somewhere in the middle. Yes. Well, you mentioned something that I actually just did. I purchased my own you know, formula of lipstick from, I think it was called Finding Ferdinand. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, you just, you guess that what's going to look good. I got it. And, you know, it looked like a, a white paste, <laughs> you know, it was amazing, you know, to feel, but the right. colors that I selected, obviously yeah. I should not be in lipstick for some reason, like, <laughs> I, you know, blending the CM, you know, CMYK colors, I was not good at. So not yeah. anything for the brand my fault. Um, that's, that's one of those things. A lot of the things have a learning curve or they're not like totally, you know, refined yet. So it's, it's interesting to see. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and skincare, I mean, I need to get on it because people in my age bracket, I, I don't know, but I have not been doing that, but I definitely think that that is one of the must things that we have to look out for. Um, because we haven't been seeing the sun, you know, we've been inside, but we haven't been moisturizing, I feel like. Um, so when you're thinking of different um, experiences that you have, because I ask this of a lot of people, what's an experience that you've had working with either a celebrity or a business leader? Um, it could be on your podcast. It could be, you know, with um, different products that you're introducing for the magazines. Um, but what was one that was either inspiring or terrifying or, you know, really exciting that you'd love to have again? Um, and can you share that with our listeners? Yeah, so that's one of the amazing things is getting to meet so many personalities. And obviously in the beauty industry, there's there are a lot of celebrities tied to brands. Um, and a lot of times, sometimes they the relationships are a little bit more superficial than you would hope <laughs> they would be. But sometimes they're not. And um, one of my best experiences has been with Drew Barrymore and her flower beauty collection, which she launched a couple of years ago. Um, and she is just so involved in every aspect of it from the packaging to the formulas. And she even comes herself um, to do meetings with media, which is unheard of, you know, for a celebrity to be going from office to office. She, she came, you know, and she, she's, she's come multiple times to our office to meet with me. And she, you know, comes with her wet hair. Like she just like, you know, getting up for the day, like everybody else trying to get out the door and is just totally herself. And she knows how to use the product. She knows everything about them. And it really is 
incredible for somebody who obviously has so much other, so, so many other things on their plate. Um, so I feel like she is the best example I can think of of a celebrity that is fully invested in their brand and really lives it and breathes it and loves what she does. Yes. Well, I hope that more people are like that. And one last question on the podcast would be, who was one of the people that you would like to work with that you have not, that's maybe on your bucket list? Oh gosh. Another great question. Um, in terms of celebrities or, um, or even in, you know, in working, you know, day to day, um, in, you know, in publishing, it could be, you know, a business person. Hmm. It's really interesting. I feel like I'm so fortunate because I have gotten to meet so many people and work with them that I can't really think of anybody specifically that I feel like I'm missing. But in general, I just feel like this industry is filled with wonderful people who are so inspiring. There's so much to learn from them all the time. And the learning, the constant learning and growing is what I truly love about this job. And so I get to absorb all this great information and inspiration from these amazing minds. And I couldn't be more fortunate for that. What is a word that you hear in meetings or in pitches about products that you think is way overrated? And I mean, it could be the word trendy. It could be unique or, you know, what is something that you hear way too often that is a little oversold that could be replaced? Great. Another wonderful question. Um, I would say, and I know that the scientists in the Good Housekeeping Institute Beauty Lab would agree with me, (laughs) that the word clean is so overused in beauty Um, and tangentially the word non-toxic. Those words really don't have any meaning. I mean, to me, the opposite of clean is dirty. And so I don't really understand. I think people use that word, even the word natural, just because it sounds good, but it doesn't have any standard meaning. So to me, those words are totally meaningless and non-toxic is one of those related words that I, it just makes me like cringe every time I read it. Cause there really is, you know, anything could be almost anything can be toxic as the beauty lab director tells me water could, can be toxic. So <laughs> what does that mean when it comes to a beauty product? It's well, you really would hope whatever. that it wouldn't be toxic, right? Yeah, it's really whatever <laughs> a brand wants to say. And so I feel like those words are just so overused unless they have a specific meaning that a brand has, is giving them. So those, nice. those are my pet peeves. <laughs> <laughs> well, so as a director, I have um, one question about where you see um you know, the role of your position. And I asked this of um, somebody on the, a recent podcast is what's your leadership style? Hmm. I would say that my leadership style is to let others, you know, flourish and help them be their best at what they're doing. Um, I feel I have been lucky enough to have and do have um, bosses who trust me to do what in in what I'm doing and give me the confidence to, you know, take things and run with them to come up with new ideas and execute them without, you know, having to be handheld or, you know, micromanaged. And I feel like I take, I take that approach too, because I really feel like 
the people on my team are more than capable to do what they do. And I love seeing, you know, them taking things and running with them in their own way. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. It was such a pleasure. If you would like to sponsor an episode of Sweet Bites with Sandra, make sure to send an email to info at sandracoltamedici.com, including the subject line, be a sponsor.